Something to note, all of the groups covered on this show operate in secret. The details included in this episode are based on extensive research, but ultimately can never be 100% verified except by society members themselves. Due to the graphic nature of these events, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of police brutality, murder, and racism. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Sometime in 2016, a tattoo parlor in Los Angeles County, California, a needle carefully inked a laughing skeleton on the man's calf. Despite the smile, the image had a sinister look in its eyes. Then, the fine point outlined a helmet and a rifle. The artist labeled the helmet with the letters CPT, standing for Compton. Around the skeletal figure, the needle created a background of flames. The insignia initiated the man into a ruthless gang within the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, the Executioners. Every member's tattoo matches, with one difference. A unique number is assigned to each person, just like a badge. In Compton, some say this marking makes them more powerful than any other deputy. The executioners have been said to rule the Compton streets and dominate their own sheriff's station. The gang has supposedly used the threat of violence to create a culture of corruption. They stand accused of terrorizing their fellow officers and even murdering innocent citizens. The executioners are not only above the law, in Compton, they are the law. Hi, I'm Alastair Murden. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is a special crossover episode of Secret Societies and Kingpins, both Spotify originals from Parcast. For the past three weeks, we've been taking you on a deep dive into the deputy gangs hidden within the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Today, on our fourth episode, we're talking about the Compton Executioners. This clique allegedly rules the Compton substation, controlling every aspect of its operations. Gang members have been accused of assaulting fellow deputies and even killing civilians, claiming, often without evidence, that they were acting in self-defense. And although they face several lawsuits, somehow the executioners have evaded prosecution and any accountability. We'll dive into what brought the LASD to Compton after this. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department patrols the unincorporated communities of LA County and the city of Compton. Located 17 miles south of downtown LA, approximately 100 deputies guard this working-class municipality. And according to the Los Angeles Times, about 20 of them belong to a gang called the Executioners. Branded with a skull tattoo on their leg, many say they mercilessly rule the Compton streets and its sheriff's station. But though they've always operated under the radar, the Executioners' inner workings were only recently exposed by two legal cases. In 2018, a wrongful death lawsuit revealed their unifying tattoo. Then, in 2020, a fellow deputy divulged their modus operandi in a legal claim. 
Even as these allegations surfaced, the LASD continued to deny the gang's existence. Even today, the executioners seem impossible to nail down. It hasn't always been like this in Compton. Before the city fell into the LASD's jurisdiction, Compton once had its own police department. Incorporated in 1888, the city of Compton established its law enforcement agency that same year, but throughout the 20th century, the Compton police earned a violent reputation. By the 1980s, the Crips and the Bloods vied for control of Compton, and the budget-strapped police department struggled to stop the violence. Their first attempt at a gang unit was disbanded in 1987 due to a staffing shortage. When the department formed another gang unit, the only members were two white men. In a city whose street gangs were primarily from the Black and Latinx communities, clearly Compton needed some help. So Los Angeles Police Chief Daryl Gates sent the LAPD to South LA. By 1988, he had created a brute force approach to policing the community called Operation Hammer. As part of this initiative, the LAPD performed massive sweeps in South LA and Compton, ostensibly to catch gang members. But instead, they arrested many innocent black men, often using excessive force. By the end of the decade, the rest of the world knew about the Compton PD's brutal tactics. NWA's hit album Straight Outta Compton detailed the city's police brutality, putting Compton on the national map. But the public attention didn't make things any better. In the 1990s, Compton grappled with high rates of unemployment, poverty, and homicides. City leaders accused two police chiefs of corruption and negligence. The Compton mayor, Omar Bradley, put one of those chiefs on administrative leave in August 1999. At the time, the city gave no indication why. The Compton Police Officers Association was livid. In January of 2000, the union cast a vote of no confidence in the mayor and city manager. By February, the power struggle had reached the point where Compton was actively investigating whether it should disband the police and turn to the LA County Sheriff's Department instead. City leaders saw this as a viable solution because it had worked for the surrounding communities. Linwood contracted with the LASD in 1977 and Hawaiian Gardens signed up in 1997. If Compton joined them, the city could band together with those nearby neighborhoods to squash its crime problem once and for all. There was just one big problem. Most Compton police hated the idea. According to the LA Times, Mayor Bradley claimed that many cops threatened him and even intimidated members of his family. However, the police union president denied anything like that ever happened. By the year 2000, the hostility bubbled over. City council meetings regularly erupted into yelling and violence between municipal and police officials. Other politicians accused Mayor Bradley of having a vendetta against the police union, and Bradley even physically attacked one of his rivals. In the meantime, the city itself was suffering. In June of 2000, Compton experienced a staggering increase in crime, including eight murders in 10 days. Finally, the politicians and police alike agreed to prioritize safety over their feud. 
The city council voted to disband the police department in July. In its place, the city signed a $12.3 million contract with the LA County Sheriff's Department. Sheriff Lee Baca offered to hire any Compton police officer who wanted to become deputies, and nearly all of the 113 officers accepted the offer. Though there was some initial opposition, the Compton Police Union president told the LA Times, most of us just want to do police work. We don't want to get involved in politics. The deal seemed like a win-win for the city. The Compton officers became LASD deputies, Compton saved $7 million in law enforcement costs, and the city council pledged to use the money to improve the community. And the LASD promised to get crime under control. Unfortunately, the crime rate only increased. In 2005, Compton had 72 homicides, its highest murder tally in a decade. This frustrated everyone, especially since the new deputies seemed to have a hand in the problem. They used aggressive tactics against the community, much like the Compton police had. And out of this violent culture, a deputy gang formed within the Compton station, the Executioners. It's unclear when the executioners were formed, as they seem to have operated in secret for years. And because no one knows who the members are, it's unclear if any of them were original Compton cops. The public only became aware of the gang's existence recently, after a tragic incident in 2016. Around 8pm on the night of August 25th, a black 31-year-old man named Dante Taylor was walking down Wilmington Avenue. At the same time, Sheriff's deputies Samuel Aldama and Misrain Orego were patrolling the area for the Cedar Block Piru Street Gang, according to a district attorney's memo. The deputies noticed that Taylor was wearing a red hat with the letter C on it. The Cedar Block Piru's gang was known for their similarly labeled red clothing. Aldama and Orego pulled their patrol car alongside Taylor and asked him if he was on parole or probation. Taylor said no. According to the district attorney's memo, Taylor then supposedly drew a handgun and ran. A chase ensued, and the two deputies shot Taylor six times. At 8.30 p.m., Taylor was pronounced dead at the scene. But when detectives searched the scene, they never found Taylor's supposed handgun. Either it had gone missing, or it never existed at all. Despite the suspicious circumstances, the district attorney's office determined Aldama and Orego didn't have criminal liability in Taylor's death. Taylor's family was furious. In October of 2016, they filed a $50 million wrongful death lawsuit, accusing the LASD of fabricating the story about the weapon as a cause for the shooting. In May of 2018, Deputy Aldama gave a deposition under oath. He admitted to having a tattoo on his leg of a skeleton wearing a military helmet with the letters CPT, standing for Compton. According to the LA Times, he confessed that he was one of 10 to 20 deputies that had earned the tattoo, but he refused to name the gang the symbol represented. In fact, he denied being part of a secret group within the sheriff's station at all. 
Later in the deposition, the Taylor family's attorney, John Sweeney, asked Aldama if he had ill feelings toward African Americans. After almost a minute of deliberation, he responded, I do. The video clip of Aldama's racist response went viral on Twitter. Soon, another racist crime by Aldama and Arego surfaced. They had allegedly brutally beaten another black man months before Taylor's death. John Sweeney used this as part of his argument that the unnamed LASD gang's racist practices and use of excessive force had caused Dante Taylor's death. All of these revelations stunned the public. As we've heard in previous episodes, the LASD has a long history of racist cliques. The fact that a new one has suddenly emerged within Compton was troubling. A watchdog group, the Sheriff's Civilian Oversight Commission, called for an investigation into the Compton Station's apparent secret society. In response, Sheriff Jim McDonnell launched a comprehensive study into tattooed groups in the LASD in partnership with the LA County Council and the Inspector General. McDonnell said, Our goal is to understand exactly what we're dealing with, then come up with the best thinking on how to resolve these long-standing concerns. It's unclear how exactly they carried out the study, but its findings were inconclusive. According to the LA Times, the inquiry never even asked the deputy gang members to reveal themselves. And according to LA County Attorney Chandler Parker, even if the LASD did obtain the names of gang members, it didn't have to disclose them. Even during the Taylor family's lawsuit, it was difficult to bring any evidence to light. In a pre-trial hearing, the judge ordered that deputies may be questioned about their tattoos in the future, if they were given the chance to object. The judge, however, didn't ask any officers to reveal their tattoos at the time. But that future questioning never came. Before any damaging information could come out during the trial, LA County settled the suit for $7 million, to be paid by taxpayers. The county apparently preferred shelling out millions rather than admitting this gang existed. But the damage was done. Word about the new, nameless LASD gang had spread, and soon fellow deputies were tired of their antics and exposed their misdeeds to the world. Next, the executioners terrorized the Compton LASD station. Hey, podcasters, Alastair here. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. In 2018, Dante Taylor's wrongful death lawsuit brought a stark revelation to light. 
A racist LA County Sheriff's Department gang likely operated within the Compton Station. The LASD denied their existence, and LA County eventually settled the Taylor lawsuit in 2019. A fellow deputy filed the claim to protect himself from the gang's members. The executioners were no longer just accused of harassing civilians. Fellow LASD deputies were targets, too. Bullying their colleagues was apparently a way of increasing their status in the gang. The complaint stemmed from an incident in February 2020 when the executioner's alleged enforcer, Deputy Eugene Contreras, was targeting another Compton deputy named Thomas Benelos. According to ABC7, Benelos endured five years of bullying and intimidation from the clique, and it culminated in a near-fatal incident where Contreras allegedly assaulted him in the Compton Station parking lot. Contreras reportedly bashed his elbow into Benelos's head several times, leaving him bloody. He warned Benelos if he told anyone about the attack, he'd become no good to the executioners. That meant all members of the gang could retaliate against him. After the incident, Benelos told his fellow deputy, Alstroberto Art Gonzalez. Concerned for his colleague's safety, Gonzalez filed a report to the Internal Affairs Bureau on a confidential tip line. He thought he'd remain anonymous. But according to the LA Times, somehow the executioners found out the complaint came from him. A few days later, Gonzalez received a mysterious text message. It was a photo of the words, Art is a rat, scrawled on the station's parking lot keypad. At work, other deputies refused to partner with Gonzalez, afraid of getting pulled into the conflict. Fearing even more retaliation, Gonzalez needed to protect himself. In July 2020, he filed a legal claim against LA County. Gonzalez's complaint revealed the gang's name, the executioners. He said the gang numbered around 20 out of the station's roughly 100 deputies. Gonzalez also confirmed that the skull tattoo was the executioner's branding. He even testified that the ink had Nazi imagery. One of the most stunning allegations was about the group's supposed initiation process. Before joining, deputies have to impress executioners' members, a process called chasing ink. According to Gonzalez, only two officers are allowed to join each year, and they have to fit the group's criteria, which excludes women and black people. However, it's unclear what chasing ink actually entails. Gonzalez asserted that deputies have gained acceptance after being involved in high-profile shootings, much like that of Dante Taylor. After these incidents, the deputies who pulled the trigger allegedly used a tactic employed by the executioners to evade charges, the ghost gun. They would claim the victim brandished a weapon, justifying their use of force. According to Gonzalez's testimony, in reality, they've never seen the gun. And then, at the end, a gun is never recovered. After the initiate's violent act, the gang supposedly heads to an unknown bar for a 998 debrief party, named after the code for a deputy-involved shooting. In his claim, Gonzalez said, Some people say it's to celebrate the deputy is alive. Others say it's to celebrate that they're going to be inking somebody. 
The inking, of course, involves the skull tattoo that allegedly brands each executioner member, the same one Deputy Samuel Aldama admitted to having on his calf. If these allegations are true, who knows how many officer-involved shootings in Compton are actually gang initiations. Gonzalez claimed that at least one other high-profile incident was an executioner's induction, the shooting of Andres Guardado. On June 18, 2020, 18-year-old Andres Guardado was working as a security guard in Gardena near Compton. He was standing outside, talking with another person in a car blocking a driveway. At 5.52 p.m., deputies Miguel Vega and Chris Hernandez approached, and according to the officers, Guardado flashed a gun and ran. The deputies opened fire and shot Guardado in the back five times. He died at the scene. The killing occurred just weeks after Minneapolis police killed George Floyd, while Black Lives Matter protests were surging around the world. When news broke about yet another fatal shooting by law enforcement, it sparked outrage. Many, including Deputy Gonzalez, thought the Compton executioners were to blame. But some of the details of that case don't align with the gang's M.O. In the subsequent investigation, there was one stark contrast to Dante Taylor's case. The LASD found a gun. At a media briefing on August 12th, the LASD Homicide Bureau commander, Chris Marks, said the recovered gun didn't have a serial number, but it had ammo. He claimed there were no fingerprints, but there were traces of Guardado's DNA. The gun's existence made it seem less likely that the executioners were involved. After all, the ghost gun was allegedly one of their main tactics. With an actual weapon in evidence, it sounded like the deputy shot Guardado in self-defense, thinking he was in a street gang. And Commander Marks seemed to be hinting at that theory throughout the press conference. Mere minutes after speaking about Guardado's death, Marks pivoted to talk about gang-related shootings that had occurred on the same block. Several reporters asked if he was implying that the incidents were related, but Marks denied this. Here's an excerpt of what he said. Again, I, I don't have any information that links Mr. Gradado to any of these previous incidents. This is background information, and it's also to share with you that we have parallel investigations, and there's, we understand there's a lot of public desire and media desire for information on this case, but we're just not, have not been in a position to share information on this case because of this parallel investigation and all the search warrants being served at the 13 locations. Now, today, we're in a position where we can give you an update and provide you that information. The next day, Sheriff Alex Villanueva spoke at another press conference. He denied that a gang operated in the Compton station or anywhere else. Here's a portion of his remarks. Contrary to department critics, the overwhelming majority of deputies who socialize with each other are no different than other social groups in military organizations, sports teams, college fraternities, police departments, and even fire departments. Tattoos are very common and their presence is not evidence of any sinister purpose, absence evidence of associated misconduct. Anecdotal claims of criminal conduct from trial and defense attorneys must be viewed in their proper context. They're advocating on behalf of their client and they have to exaggerate the impact of their claims against the simple fact 
the department makes over two and a half million contacts a year across the county with scant evidence to support claims of groups of deputies allegedly behaving as gangs. The few cases that have arisen over the last decade has centered on deputies engaged in misconduct with their peers as victim, not the community. This was true with the custody deputies fight at the Quiet Cannon in 2010, the Kennedy Hall fight in 2018, and now the fight between deputies at Compton Station in 2020. There is zero evidence of three or more deputies engaged in criminal activity with a unifying symbol whose primary purpose is to commit crime. Again, zero tolerance. But the LA Times quickly refuted Villanueva's position. On August 20th, the newspaper made a major connection. The deputies who killed Guardado, Miguel Vega and Chris Hernandez, were mentioned in Gonzalez's testimony as prospective executioner's members. When asked about it, Vega's attorney denied that his client had any tattoos, let alone Deputy Gang Inc. But the connection prompted Guardado's family to wonder whether his killing was part of an initiation. In September 2020, they filed a wrongful death lawsuit against LA County. Guardado and Dante Taylor's deaths aren't the only fatalities linked to the LASD Compton station. They just happen to be the ones that made headlines. According to the LA Times homicide report, deputies have killed 29 people in Compton since 2000. We don't know how many of those killings were unintentional or if any of them were part of alleged executioner initiations. As Gonzalez's complaint illustrated, the executioners used their violent tactics to terrorize not only Compton citizens, but also their own colleagues. According to the LA Times, like many other deputy cliques, it's possible that the executioners have modeled themselves after prison gangs. Just like in many prisons, at the Compton station, the shots are called by the ruling gang's powerful boss. And starting in 2016, the executioner's alleged shot caller, Jamie Juarez, served as the station's scheduling deputy. He was responsible for arranging his colleagues' shifts, days off, and overtime. Allegedly, Juarez always designed the calendar to benefit the executioners. According to Gonzalez's claim, the acting captain removed Juarez from his scheduling role prior to 2019. When Juarez wanted another executioner in the position, his commander refused. In response, Juarez allegedly led a work stoppage. This meant that executioner's members responded slowly to or outright ignored police calls. According to the LA Times, Gonzalez recalled that very minimal arrests occurred during the slowdown, and this wasn't the only tool in the executioner's arsenal. On other occasions, Gonzalez also asserted that the gang set arrest quotas, which are illegal. To set up these schemes, the executioners allegedly used the encrypted messaging platform WhatsApp. This made their correspondence virtually undetectable. All of this led to what some have called the executioner's total control of the Compton station. Gonzalez's attorney told the LA Times that the gang dominates every aspect of life there. Executioner's members and their prospects tend to receive preferential treatment even when it comes to routine assignments. Gonzalez witnessed this firsthand too. Once the executioners heard that he wasn't interested in joining the gang, his supervisors assigned him to 14 months of traffic duty. 
and he did it, desperate to avoid the wrath of the gang. After he made his complaint in February 2020, Gonzalez feared they would retaliate with violence. Instead, the executioners sabotaged his career. Coming up, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department refuses to take action. Now back to the story. In February 2020, Deputy Art Gonzalez reported a member of the Compton Executioners for assaulting a fellow deputy. Knowing the clique's violent tendencies, Gonzalez took a week of vacation time to protect himself until the controversy died down. But when he returned, the scheduling sergeant suddenly demoted him, citing his frequent days off. Gonzalez believed he was demoted as a result of his whistleblower activity, potentially at the behest of the executioners. And that wasn't their only destructive behavior. When he requested a transfer to another station, it's possible they exerted their influence to ensure it got denied. And from that point on, Gonzalez's superiors regularly refused to approve his overtime. Within months, Deputy Eugene Contreras, the executioner who Gonzalez reported, was switched to the same day shift as Gonzalez. When Gonzalez tried to change to another, the scheduling sergeant suggested he work graveyard hours, which would make it impossible for Gonzalez to care for his daughter. At this point, Gonzalez knew the executioners would only make his life increasingly miserable. That was when he filed his legal claim against Los Angeles County in June 2020. Despite the revelations the complaint made about the executioners, LA Sheriff Alex Villanueva's response has been all talk and no action. Which is strange, given that in August 2020, Villanueva announced disciplinary action against a different clique, the East LA Banditos. At a press conference, Villanueva declared that 26 East LA deputies involved in a 2018 fight would be suspended or terminated. He announced a zero-tolerance policy against deputy cliques and confirmed that the FBI was also investigating the organizations. However, even while Villanueva also publicly acknowledged the banditos, he denied that any other deputy gangs existed, including the executioners. Since then, Villanueva has clarified that the LASD's zero-tolerance policy does not include actively looking for gang members. In October, he told ABC7, We come across it, we'll address it, but we're not going to strip down the entire department to look for tattoos. L.A. County's Inspector General added that there were no active inquiries regarding deputy cliques. He said, we're unable to investigate effectively because of the obstruction of the sheriff's department. There is a fear that even if new inquiries are opened, they won't get very far. In the past, they've been swept under the rug by cash settlements, like in Dante Taylor's wrongful death lawsuit. The $7 million payout to Taylor's family wasn't the first one. According to a report by L.A. County attorneys, there have been 60 cases, many of them still pending, dealing with eight separate deputy cliques. In the cases that have settled, the county has distributed about $55 million to the families. It's a so-called consequence that doesn't actually incentivize the LASD to clean up their act. 
The county doesn't hold them accountable criminally, so there's no threat of charges or jail time. Additionally, the settlements are paid for by LA County taxpayers, not out of the guilty officer's own pockets. Plus, lawsuits and legal claims can take years to settle. In the meantime, Compton citizens are demanding more immediate justice. On August 4, 2020, they held a press conference urging a federal investigation into the Compton LASD station. Residents discussed how deputies regularly targeted and wrongly arrested innocent people. Even Mayor Asia Brown, a black woman, shared a story about her own tense encounter with Compton deputies. In June of 2019, Brown was driving through the city with her husband and infant daughter when an LASD patrol car pulled them over. The deputies claimed she ran a red light, which she denied doing. Within seconds, as many as nine other patrol cars arrived as backup. The deputies ordered Brown to exit her vehicle and place her hands on the roof. Then they searched the Compton mayor as if she were a criminal. Unaware of her political status, Brown said they searched her car for drugs but found nothing. Still, the deputies issued Brown a ticket, but when they realized she was the mayor, they took the citation back. Soon after, Brown filed an official complaint with the LASD, but Compton's own mayor couldn't even spur a conclusive investigation. Nothing ever came from it. Even when Brown voiced her frustration at the press conference over a year later, she never accused the executioners by name. In fact, her story and others made it clear that Compton has many policing issues and the alleged gang is just one of the more appalling ones. Still, Brown and other Compton officials are trying to incite change in the only way they can. City leaders wrote a letter to the U.S. and California attorneys general demanding a civil rights investigation into the Compton LASD station. Gonzalez's legal claim against the executioners may have spurred the request, as well as the recent Black Lives Matter protests. Secondly, city officials have recently considered ending their contract with the LASD. During the August 4th press conference, Brown said, We demand justice from the Compton sheriffs and we will no longer continue to pay you $22 million to terrorize this community. The current status of both actions is unknown, though as recently as October, it appeared that city officials had distanced themselves from the idea of cutting ties with the sheriff's department. In the meantime, the LASD's idleness may allow some deputies to continue to violate the rights of innocent people, often with deadly consequences. On August 31, 2020, 29-year-old Dijon Kizzy was riding his bike in South LA near Compton. Around 3.14 p.m., a pair of deputies pulled him over for riding a bicycle in an unlawful manner, according to Witness LA. When the deputies approached, Kizzy allegedly dropped his bike and ran. According to the LASD, when they caught up to him, Kizzy supposedly punched a deputy. Then they claimed that Kizzy dropped his jacket and a handgun fell to the ground. Kizzy allegedly reached for the weapon, and that's when the deputies opened fire. According to his family's attorney, Kizzy was shot over 20 times in the back and left in the street for hours. 
An early LASD report doesn't indicate when an ambulance arrived, but EMTs pronounce Kizzy dead at the scene. The incident is still under investigation, so it's unclear if the deputies had any ties to the executioners. But from what we do know, the shooting shares some similarities with Taylor and Guardado's deaths. However, there is one key difference. This time, a bystander took a video of what happened. Unfortunately, the grainy footage didn't confirm if Kizzy actually had a gun. Alleged deputy gangs such as the executioners have contributed to a vicious cycle in communities like Compton. These deadly shootings keep happening and the deputies involved rarely receive punishment. We have to ask ourselves how we can break this cycle. The growing public awareness of police brutality and use of excessive force is a start. Compton could cut ties with the LASD, but that alone won't fix the problem. The current deputies could simply be rehired by other sheriff or police stations, just like what happens when the Compton Police Department was disbanded. To make lasting change, the LASD needs to acknowledge that the deputy gangs exist, not just one, but all of them. And the deputies involved need to be held accountable. Gangs and cliques within the sheriff's department are able to thrive today because of the long history of deputies evading punishment. When they slip up, they leave the taxpayers to pick up the tab. But no law enforcement official should ever be considered above the law they swore to protect. Thanks again for listening. Next week, join us for the finale. We're taking a deep dive into another active LASD gang, the East Los Angeles Banditos. For more information on the Compton Executioners, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Los Angeles Times and Deputy Art Gonzalez's legal claim extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Secret Societies and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Kingpins and Secret Societies are Spotify originals from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode was written by Kate Gallagher, with fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Julian Bourreau, Brad Klein, and Brian Petrus. This episode stars Vanessa Richardson and Alastair Murden. Listeners, there's no better time than right now to make a meaningful connection with the Spotify original from Parcast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if there's more to love than just looks. Follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.